Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Susie J is a country pop artist who has released six singles, at least by my count, over the past year and a bit. And the latest is called With You. We're going to talk about that and her songwriting and some other things. Hi, Susie. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's great to meet you. I've been so enjoying your songs because you've got a good mixture of upbeat and thoughtful and um, good earworm. Yeah, I've got the whole mix going on. Yeah, (laughs) A lot of emotions, but I thought I'd take you back to the start and ask when your musical life began and was it in childhood? Look, I think it is. I think music is a calling. You're either born with it or you're not and you gravitate to it or you don't. And for me, definitely... As a little kid, I was that, you know, quintessential kid with a hairbrush singing in the mirror for hours with my brothers telling me to be quiet. Um, and uh, I spent many a many a kinder afternoon singing and dancing to Grease, um, the musical. So it definitely it's been, been in the genes since then. And, and then, you know, always through high school, you know, I loved doing musical theatre and loved doing choirs and all that sort of thing. And then in my 20s, loved doing, you know, gigs and bands and and that kind of work in pubs and, and stuff around Melbourne and and then, you know, move forward to now and, and uh, songwriting and, and recording over in Nashville. So it's been been a long journey but a fun one. Well, and, of course, you just skipped through quite a few things there, <laughs> musical theatre and bands like, you know, that's just a, just a thing you could do. That's a, Not everyone can do that. So I'll, I will actually stay, stay in your childhood just for a little bit. Sure. When you were singing into the hairbrush apart from Greece, what were you singing? Oh, oh definitely there would have been some Kylie. There was some Bangles. Oh. There was uh, Belinda Carlisle. And then, you know, I fell in love with musical theatre. I, I loved Les Miserables, um, loved all of that. Eponine, I think I thought I was Eponine in a previous life. Um, did a lot of uh, amateur theatre, Jesus Christ Superstar, all those sorts of things, chess, loved all those. And um, but then, yeah, and then moved into sort of covers and, and doing that sort of stuff with, uh, with some bands and acoustic duos around town. Yeah. So when you were thinking about getting into musical theatre, because you have to audition and all that kind of stuff. So obviously by the time you were auditioning, you had developed some vocal skills because you got those parts. So was that vocal lessons that you had or just just your own practice? No, no, no. Absolutely had I had some amazing vocal coaches throughout my time and yeah, loved all of that. Absolutely. I think it was um any any chance to get out of a out of a, a school class to go and have a music lesson was uh I was the first to put my hand up. Loved all those. So And were you initially a nervous performer or have you always loved performing? Uh I think I always loved it. I think I, I yeah. I think I always loved it and just loved the, just, I think I got lost in it, to be honest. And I forgot that I was performing, you know, I got lost in the song, the story that I was telling. And, and then, you know, if the lights change, I was like, oh my God, did I just do that? Was that me? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely just got lost in the music. Yeah. So apart from Eponine, did you have a favourite role? Um, yeah, I quite liked Florence Fassi. I've loved that. And um, Mary Magdalene in, in chess. I'm, yeah. I have been fortunate to, to play both of those roles. Um, so, yeah, I loved them. And moving into covers bands, um, this is often a path that musicians <laughs> take. It gets you a lot of practice, for one thing, but it's also really strenuous. You know, they're, they're long gigs. You have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to have a lot of songs worked yep. up in order to play. So 
at what point did you start thinking, oh, yeah, I'll play covers and get my list of songs together and, and form a band? I did that in my 20s. As soon as I finished sort of I was in uni and um, and in those first early years of working and just loved all that. But, yeah, you definitely have to, and even now, even if when I'm gigging now, I certainly, you know, I have to have covers in my repertoire so you know I can go from you know doing one of my songs and then if the you know depending where the crowd wants to go you know all of a sudden you're doing times like these by Foo Fighters and you're doing you know um spinning around by Carly then you might be doing um I don't know a Kelly Clarkson song or a Taylor Swift you know um trouble or something so um uh yeah so it's you've got to have a whole heap of things but it also helps you you know, take things from other genres that you can go, oh, I really like that aspect of that genre and you can pull that into your writing or, or you know, be able to be adaptable with your styling as well. So, so I think it's fantastic grounding work. Any artist needs to be able to be able to know how to read a crowd, know, know where to go with the song, know how to ramp it up or slow it down if depending on the mood. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's that time you spent in musical theatre was great training to be able to do those long cover shows because, you know, you could be doing three sets. You can't just immediately go into that. You've got to ramp up to it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and they're, they're, yeah, you've got to have a lot of material and be able to vocally hold yourself for three hours. And mm-hmm. and um, and I think to musical theatre, probably a plus side of that is that you know how to, um, you know, sort of know how to control your voice too. So I know... Um, if I've got some big numbers coming up in the set, I know how to sort of vocally hold myself back a little bit on some of the other songs so that I've got the I've got the power to give it when you need to, when you really need to build those songs, you've got it left. Otherwise, if you're going hell hell forever the whole way through, you've got nothing left when you get to your big songs. Yeah, I've actually never heard it expressed that way before. Of course, it makes perfect sense, but it is a skill again. And I often ask questions about these, about musicians' backgrounds, because I think it's important for audiences to know how much skill goes into what you do now. So, you know, you're releasing music now, but there is this body of work behind you where you've developed all these skill sets, that kind of training, that ability to entertain, that's a skill in itself. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like it's, it's one thing to sit in your bedroom and and then sing to to a camera, but it's a totally different thing to tread the boards and sing in front of a you know a couple hundred. Or another thing to to um to be able to get the attention of a noisy pub and get them to to want to listen to you. So there's lots of different skills that I think I've been fortunate enough to have had those experiences to, to now be able to bring into play when I need them. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been pretty busy (laughs) doing a lot of performing. At what point did you think that songwriting was something you could introduce into your work? It's always something that I thought I wanted to do, but to be honest, it wasn't really until I sort of hit a certain milestone in my in my life, and um, I realised that I had stories that I wanted to tell now, and and more than that, I actually had the confidence in my own skin to be able to tell them because you are really putting your heart out on a sleeve, and you are putting yourself out there for judgment. And I think maybe when I was twenty, I probably would have been too sensitive and too shy to have sort of put my own words out there but you know I'm sort of at an age now where you know this is me and I'm comfortable with who I am and um I'm okay I'm okay with you know putting myself out there. So did you start to write little fragments of things uh and and as you said you know you didn't quite have the confidence to do it so I'm wondering if you actually had some ideas that you put aside for a while that you didn't write into songs? No no not really not necessarily no I just think once I sort of I sort of thought, no, you know, I, and I, 
part of it was too that I was like, you know, no one's going to hand you a hit song, um, you know, and my hubby always talks about um, he's a he's a, he'd been a business owner himself and he always says you've got to teach yourself how to fish or you're forever waiting for someone to hand you one and and it kind of stuck with me and I was kind of like, you know what, I've got to start writing or, you know, I can't sit around and wait for somebody to hand me a song. Um, and and I realised, but in doing so, I realised I actually had stuff I wanted to say. I actually had stories I wanted to sort of write that may, potentially were tales of my past to leave as a legacy to my kids and to my potential grandkids and then it's a way of them to get to know me um, through my music. And so, yeah, I think it, was, it wasn't until I sort of put my mind to it, you know what, I'm actually going to make my own music that I started doing it. And to be honest, a lot of the songs... For me, anyway, when I start writing, it's it's a flurry. Um, it either comes out quickly or I sit there and grind on it for a while. But most of them will come, you know, inside an hour and I've got the crux of it there. The bridge always comes later. Never great at bridges. <laughs> they always come to me later. Um, but the, the guts of the song, the verses and the chorus, you know, if, if I've got an idea and I'm, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll have it in about an hour. So there's, an in, there's a, a piano and keyboards behind you. Are those the instruments you write on? uh and guitars you just can't see them <laughs> do you have a preferred instrument to write on you know what it just depends on the song um you know if I'm feeling a bit melancholy I'll, I'll, I'll probably go to the piano because it just to me it, it it's just got that rich kind of beautiful feel to it um but if I'm feeling upbeat I'll probably go to the guitar because you can kind of you know it makes me feel dancey and I can groove along with the guitar so it depends on what I'm what I'm vibing and then um and then I'll definitely um go to that instrument so at what age did you start playing those instruments because obviously voice was a primary instrument for you growing up but you have others well, actually yeah it was but having said that I actually um I played piano since the age of four oh, I, did, okay. um, <laughs> I did the Suzuki method which is um you learn to play by ear so I'm a terrible sight reader even to this day but I I hear and I just play by feel um so uh so yeah played piano but um and then only picked guitar up probably probably the last five years so right. um, yeah and I I kick myself I, I wish I'd picked it up years and years and years ago like it's so portable I take it anytime we go on a, on a holiday or you know go away for a weekend I, I chuck it in the car and um I, I love it it's so portable and because you, know, you just can't you can't take a baby gram with you can you no you cannot <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you find um because I play both of those instruments and I find guitar harder so I'm wondering how you found guitar after playing piano for years yeah it's definitely been it's definitely been a grind um and I'm still I'm still getting there I'm I'm definitely more of a rhythm guitarist than a than a cool you know like you know lick guitarist or anything I'll get there one day but um but yeah definitely but I think learning anything later in life is a bit harder isn't it <laughs> Well, particularly because, uh, yeah, it just seems like with, with guitar, if you're a right-handed guitarist, the left hand's doing all the work, which seems a bit counterintuitive. But anyway. uh, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, you, yeah. But I think the dexterity from um, piano, because you have to be, you have to have that mobility in both in both hands anyway. So I think there's, yeah, I think you can get away with it. That's true. Yeah, piano. Yes, yes, yes. Both hands, both hands do work. Um, so uh, when you sit down to songwrite, do you allocate? time in which to do it or do you tend to let an idea come and then go oh I better yes, get that down the latter I, okay. I sometimes I find I, mean, I try and sit down and you know you know and, and write and 
I'm like, hmm, what do I want to write today? But to be honest, really, it's the idea that that comes to me and then I'm like, right, and I, and I run to the piano or sometimes, you know, I can be out with the family and I've got an idea and I'm just, I'm off with the fairies in my family, like, mum, are you with us? Are you with us? And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, my mind's already started. I can't wait to get to a phone just to, you know, make a little voice recording for the idea or type some lyrics out. And yeah, so sometimes, it, yeah, definitely. I, I like the idea to come to me. You've also gone to Nashville to do some writing and you've written with some fairly serious songwriters over there. So when was your first trip? I went over in June of last year okay. and uh, spent a month there. It was an amazing experience and uh, wrote with some amazing uh, songwriters who've had success in their own, some great success in their own right. Writers like Danny Wells, he wrote Check Yes, No for um, George Strait. Brian White, he's a... Uh, I think he's had 37 top 100 hits. And and the day I wrote with him actually was um, quite funny because he said, oh, um, I said, what are you up to now, Brian? Because he'd finished writing a song. And he said, oh, I'm just going to walk around the corner to, you know, to BMI. I'm going to pick up my little trophy. And I go, a trophy? What's a trophy? And he said, oh, well, when you have a number one hit on the radio, they give all the writers a like a trophy, like a plaque. And I was like, that is so cool. So that was a great experience. And um and uh, I re- recorded a whole bunch of music when I was there. I'd done some remotely during COVID in that I'd sent some, like a demo across to Nashville. They would track it up for me. And then I'd do the vocals in my mate's studio um, here in Melbourne during COVID when you could get out of your house. Mm. But I really wanted to be in the studio and be a part of that creative juice. And so that for me was a big part of my Nashville trip in June and um, just being in the studio with those session musicians, they are something amazing, like, you know, the calibre, like I think um, Billy Justin Hour, he just got off tour with Eric Church and like my husband's a big Eric Church fan and, <laughs> and, um, and so when they're not on tour, a lot of them want to do session work just to sort of, you know, help the, the, the flows of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, score got Billy Justin now, and and got a whole um and got a whole heap of other amazing musicians, and just the stories they have and the experience that they have, it's amazing. And you know, I'd play my little embarrassing demo, and um and then they from that, and I'd give them a reference track of where I was thinking sonically I wanted it to, to go um, and then just watching them sort of muck around you know maybe on the keys or the synths doing something then on the on the guitar I'm like oh my god yes that I'm loving that that's what I'm hearing too and just you know I was like a kid in a lolly store I couldn't work out which lolly I wanted to grab and and um, and include in the song and it was it was an amazing experience and um, and then of course just the live music right just walking mm. up and down Broadway every there is like bar 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 next door to each other and opposite the road mm. for three blocks and you walk down the street and my ears didn't know where to tune <laughs> into because there's so much music spewing out of every every building so it was you know it was a musician's Disneyland yeah and, and from what I understand you're about to head back to Disneyland I am about to head back to Disneyland yeah so I'm actually going there for the Tin Pan South songwriting um conference and I'm pretty excited they've got some amazing um songwriters um Hilary Lindsay she's written for you know Gaga Tim McGrath Carrie Underwood and then they've got Laura Veltz and she's written for Demi Lovato and Marin Morris and like 
that's the sort of caliber of speakers that they're having. So I'm really, I can't wait to sort of, you know, see if I get any pearls of wisdom from them and um, and see how maybe I can apply that. And then I've got some um, some other song collaborations lined up just to have, you know, that's a big thing in Nashville is to collaborate. And um, so I, I enjoy that and just seeing what I can what I can learn and what I can and you know and just creatively having someone else to bounce something off because historically I've written by myself so mm-hmm. um, it's it's an amazing opportunity to sort of have a kindred spirit beside you writing and just you know going where the wind takes you. I would imagine it's uh, it takes a little bit of adjustment though when you're used to writing by yourself to collaborate with someone else because it would be a different rhythm of of working for one thing. Yeah, and and some of them have different styles. Some are um, you know some might be you know write laptop up. What are we writing today? Right. Um, and to me, that wasn't my style. My style was more yeah, let's have a little chat, maybe you know have a beer and and get to know one another, and then you find something that. Mm-hmm. you both meet and have a commonality with and then you know off you go it's written pretty quickly um so yeah there's lots of different styles but it's kind of like speed dating you either get along or you don't really when you were over there last year recording some songs was your latest single with you one of the songs you recorded that was actually um, one of the songs I did during COVID. So it was, um, I did the vocals here, but I they did the recording over there and I sent the demo and the reference track and I was sort of as much of a part of it as I could be in terms of this is what I'm wanting it to sound like and then um, did the vocals and then, you know, tweaked and tweaked the production together. My producer, Ben Reno, he's he's amazing and we get along really well, actually. And it was part of the, the idea of going in June was I really wanted to meet this guy that I, you know, created so many tracks with and we get along so well we speak a lot on the phone and um but it was really beautiful to to sort of you know be able to meet him face to face and and spend time with him and and then work on the next songs and I think that you know the relationship too I think he really got to know um got to know my sound and we developed a real sound as as the tracks start to come out there's you know there's a real sound sort of starting to form which is great Hmm. Now, out of the singles you've released, from what I could tell, one of them was a, a Christmas song. So, yeah, yeah, so you... which is ironically the first song I released. I never thought I would go with a Christmas song first, but the way the COVID was going, um, I had this Christmas song in the bag and I was like, you know, you either release it, you know, you know in sort of November of um whenever it was 2020 no 20 yeah November 2020 or I sit on it for a whole nother year because Christmas yeah. only comes around once I thought you know what I'm I'm a I love Christmas and I love joy and I love family and I figured after the year that we'd had it was just the perfect way to sort of start my career in some regards so yeah so I did a Christmas song which is really fun. You've been releasing singles fairly regularly and normally that might suggest you're leading towards an album, but are, are you now thinking, well, singles are the way to go and you'll just keep doing that? Well, yeah, no, and I've had a few people sort of, you know, reach out and comment on my Instagram and stuff like, so are you going to make all these into an album? And, you know, I've definitely got a lot of songs that I have recorded. I've um, uh, I've got three albums worth, to be totally honest with you, that oh, I've wow. recorded. So, um, <laughs> That's a, creative, quite a bag, yeah. Yeah, so part of it is like, what do I put on which album? Um, it's like choosing babies. But um, but I'm actually enjoying just the, I'm enjoying this excitement of, you know, being able to drop a single and every 10 weeks, you know, new single, new single. Whereas sometimes I think when you drop an album, 
uh, you know, a couple months later, it's like, well, you've already talked about the album, so now what? You know, mm -hmm. I sort of feel like maybe it's an old story. And um, I know, but a lot of artists do it. Morgan Wallen, he's a big country artist, and he's dropped um, a massive album with 36 tracks. Wow. And, like, he's dominating the charts at the moment. But then I kind of wonder, you know, in a year's time, mate, you know, uh, are your songs still going to be around? Whereas if he actually dropped, you know, mm -hmm. song by song or, you know, dropped smaller smaller groupings of albums, um, you know, it might keep peak interest a bit more. But, look, I don't know if there's a right or wrong, but I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying sort of just the hype of, you know, here's my next song, here's my next song, here's my next song. <laughs> And at, the, at this point in history with, you know, streaming and everything, I, I don't know that there is a right or a wrong way. Everyone's trying to learn. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think music's a bit instant these days, with, particularly with streaming, you know, so you can just, you know, I want to listen to that song now, I want to listen to that song tomorrow. And so, I'm, I'm yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, after I asked you about um, musical theatre, what I didn't ask you was how you came to love country music because, of course, you are recording in the country genre. So at what stage did you start listening to country? It was actually when I started started writing, I realised how clever country music is in their, in, their, in their lyrics. They really tell a story. You know, it's more than just boy meets girl. It's, you know, there's a real heart and soul to it. And I and and I just thought, you know what, I I want to write something that's got substance. Mm. And, you know, I um I want to write something that's heartfelt. That's just who I am. So mm. I, I fell in love with it in when I started to write. And yeah, I so I look at I think there's elements of pop in my music. Um, in that I, you know, as I said, I grew up listening to pop in Melbourne. That's what you that's what we have and I love it. So I think I'm trying to blend the best of the both worlds. So, you know, it's, there's a nice little hook and a catch to it and, and mm -hmm. a beat, but, you know, there's a bit of substance behind the lyrics as well. Yeah, which is, you know, both of those things are very satisfying for listeners and, and you have some very satisfying songs and many more to come by the sound of it. So, Susie, I look forward to hearing those songs when they're released and in the meantime, it's been great to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.